ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We love audiobooks and we suspect that you do too. Because you're a Soulful MBA listener, you can get an audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial over at audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba for your free audiobook. Welcome to the Soulful MBA podcast, episode 88, Nikki. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Conry, as well as our guest for today, Nikki Estrada. Nikki is a beloved Namastream client, and she's here today to talk about her transition to online business. Nikki, who lives in Northern California with her husband and two daughters, has more than 20 years of teaching experience and has been leading 200 and 300 hour yoga teacher trainings for more than a dozen years. She's a 500 hour certified teacher and was director of trainer development for Yoga Works for over seven years, so she knows what she's talking about. Currently, Nikki leads intensives, immersions, and workshops in the San Francisco Bay Area and beyond. In addition to offering her own yoga membership on Namastream, Nikki contributes to Yoga International. She served as a 2016 Athleta Ambassador. She was sponsored by Zoba and has presented at Yoga Journal conferences and was even voted Best Yoga Teacher by Marin Magazine in 2016. In this conversation today, Nikki shares her opinion on the relationship between yoga and tech, which is, I think, very important and salient. And she also offers tactical insight for building a thriving virtual studio. Without further ado, here is Nikki. Welcome, Nikki, to the podcast. We are so excited to have you here. And let's go ahead and first dive in by sharing a little bit about how you know about us. Like, how do you know about Namastream and Soulful MBA? I know you're one of our clients, so I want you to sort of explain to our listeners how you found us. Yes. So... Gosh, I guess it's now coming up on two years ago. I decided it was time for me to start putting some of my teachings online. And I just began searching around. I thought that I would have to figure out through my website people how to actually add videos to my existing website. And I stumbled across Namastream. Another teacher was using the platform I mean, it was literally within like a week or so of telling my website gal, this is next on the list. We got to figure this out. And then bam, there you guys were with the software. Mm -hmm. And you were actually on pause. You were revising what you had, right? And I was so excited. I couldn't wait to to get a hold of it, but I had to (laughs) wait. You were on our waiting list. (laughs) Yes, we were rebuilding. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I signed up and was on the waiting list. So yeah, that was almost two years ago. I think it was in the fall two years ago. And 
And it was like right there for me, laid out, easy. I didn't have to figure something out through my website person. It was a package that me not being very techie could actually jump right in and figure out all on my own. I'm always so interested, Nikki, in why our teachers choose to go online. Like what was the call or what was the need that you needed to satisfy to go online? What was happening? Well, a couple things. First of all, I have to say I was at the Himalayan Institute in Pennsylvania. And I was there for a a few days conference with one of my teachers, Pandit Rajamani Tugunayat. And they have, they made the jump a few years. This was a few years ago. They made the jump prior to that to move their magazine, which was a print magazine. And it was struggling because it's so expensive to print. They made this leap of faith and went digital and they took their magazine online. And it was a shocking, huge success for them. Like it really took off right from the get go. So I was there as a yoga teacher, but as a student, and they asked me to film with them. And of course, at first, super intimidating and I was nervous, but I had a lot of years of experience teaching in front of people under my belt. So I jumped in and I discovered very quickly that I loved it, that it actually was very efficient and took less energy for me to teach to the camera and then make something available big, you know, to a lot of people than it did to teach in front of a room of 20, 30, 40 people that took more energy. So that kind of got me in the door of teaching online. And it just sort of seemed to grow from there. I realized I was comfortable with it. And I realized that it was going, not only was it kind of the wave of the future, but it was going to be more efficient for me. To be honest, for years, students had asked me, you know, gosh, I wish you had a video or a DVD or something I can take with me when I'm traveling. And I had looked into that years ago, but it's so expensive to do that. And then you have distribution issues, right? So now the the technology is finally caught up where you eliminate all those insane costs and can very quickly and inexpensively, you know, go online, create your own videos and go online. And when you say it's less energy to teach in front of the camera, is that just because you don't have to worry about the 20 people in front of you? Like you can just focus on what you're saying and getting it out clearly and just worry about yourself basically? Yeah, pretty much. Because the truth is, it's funny, I was just leading a little portion of teacher training last weekend. And I was, these were brand new teachers in a 200 hour training. And I was saying to them, you are juggling like crazy when you're really in a real room teaching a lot of different people. I mean, you're nonstop, you're thinking ahead of what the sequence is, you're holding the space energetically your hands on adjusting, you're running across the room to the person, you know, with the knee out of alignment, you're concerned about, you're watching the clock, you know, to make sure that your class is well paced. It's a Mm -hmm. lot. It really, there is no phoning it in. You are super duper present if you're a good teacher with what's really going on in front of you. So it does take a lot of energy, period. And when you're in front of a camera, or maybe you're teaching one person in front of the camera, that's way more condensed and focused than all the different balls that are in the air when you're in a real live public class. So yeah, for me, I find it much more energy efficient 
to uh, be in front of the camera than in front of 40 people. So just to dig into that a little bit, because we run this company, we get a lot of commentary through social media or even people commenting on the little chat bot help (laughs) (laughs) pop up that's on our website saying like, you know, this is something that is not aligned with the principles of yoga or how do you respond to people? Because I have my own response to those people, right? Which is that no one's forcing you to do anything. (laughs) But how do you respond to people who are saying like, this is sort of almost disgraceful to the tradition of yoga as someone who, I mean, I obviously don't agree with that because (laughs) this company came out of in part my heart and soul and spirit. But we do get those questions. You know, we do, there is a contingent in the yoga space, I feel like that pushes back against technology and in general, right? And I think some of that is really healthy. I personally do also push back against technology all the time, every single day. So have your students, has anyone questioned that or questioned your relationship to the tradition because you've taken your teaching online? Oh, that's so good. Okay. First of all, no, 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 no. Good. Interesting. (laughs) I mean, yes and no. Yes and no. So first of all, I'm super big on defending the tradition. I think there's a lot of crap going on out there that is so cringeworthy and so disrespectful to, to the tradition. Specifically with social media, all the emphasis on the cool looking physical pose. And it's all about the pose. And when I see those freaking ads about, you know, shredding abs and it's, you know, a yoga pose and, and losing weight in a yoga pose. Yeah. All of that I think is super disrespectful. And it takes a huge tradition with a thousand unbelievable techniques and puts them into this one thing of physical achievement. And that straight up is not yoga. It is a very, very deep spiritual tradition that um, should touch every aspect of your life. It is not about your body. So that stuff actually pisses me off because it, it is disrespectful. But taking high quality, really, really valuable tools and techniques and making them more accessible, that is not disrespectful to the tradition, right? Making, for instance, meditation and the tools of, te- of meditation available to more people, I do not feel that that is disrespectful to the tradition at all. And in fact, the world that we're living in, you know, what it takes sometimes to get to a yoga class is a huge chunk of your day. You've got to get in your car. Usually you've got to drive somewhere. There's the commute time. There's the time at the studio. And then there's getting home. And that can become a two to three hour event for some people just to take one class. So if you have the technology to, to turn on your phone or your computer and in the comfort of your own home, do a very deep and life-affirming self-care spiritual practice in 30 minutes or an hour or, or 10 minutes, I mean, that's amazing. That's where technology meets the modern yogi. And in fact, Pandit Rajmani Tagunayat at that exact conference I'm, I'm referring to earlier He said, don't even ask the question. And this is someone real from the tradition who is Indian and whose teachers, you know, were literally the yogis in the caves, right? Roaming the caves in the loincloths. That's the tradition he comes from, the Himalayan sages. He sat in front of us and said, don't even ask the question whether technology is good or bad. It is here. It is here to stay and it's not going anywhere. So are we going to use it positively? 
are we going to use it in a good way? So yeah, I just don't feel there's anything wrong with, with taking something really beautiful and good and sacred and sharing it and making it available online. I think, Nikki, it would be helpful for people to understand how you use the technology. What exactly is your business model online? I'm leading you to mention your live streaming. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so I use Namastream as a monthly online yoga subscription. And I post videos of all different lengths and levels and themes. In addition, you know, and I'm talking about uh, yoga asana. But in addition, I have on my website videos that relate to Ayurveda and yoga philosophy and meditation and seasonal lifestyle suggestions based from Ayurveda, India's yoga's sister science, science of living, really, the, the science of healthy living. So I have everything available, pranayama, many different techniques, not all techniques, because there's thousands of them, but many different techniques. And I live stream every single morning, I do a live meditation five mornings a week. So in real time, if you can get up early, you can sit with me and be a part of a guided meditation. And two of those days, I then go into an asana practice right after. And if you can't make those real-time practices, they're recorded each morning and posted. So there are a number of students who don't get up at 5.45 to do that, but they know that when they do get up at 7 or whenever later in the day, that they can have that fresh from today's practice meditation, guided meditation. And I know that people are going to just ask about the technology. So obviously you use Namastream. How do you record what kind of laptop or computer are you using? What kind of microphone are you using, if any? What is the tech lineup? Well, for my live streaming, I just have a regular HP computer. I don't have a Mac. It's really, really easy. I don't use any additional microphones. Just the camera that I have works really well. And it's interesting because my yoga room slash office is pretty small. But I guess the way that the camera works on the computer it easily sitting on my desk captures my whole room, you know, all the way up. If I'm doing sun salutations and standing poses, it easily in the small space can capture my mat. Whereas when I use a real video camera, I need much more distance. I have to be much further back with the camera. So I just use the one that you guys recommended in terms of the regular camera. It's a Canon something. And I do try to weekly do one of those recordings because, you know, the sound is a little bit better and it looks a little bit better than the video recording off the live stream. Um, and I can be in a yoga studio, you know, with, with clean wall and all of that. So I, I use that. And if I'm really wanting to have optimal sound, I will use the headset that you guys recommended, the wireless headset. But I've honestly, I've gotten to the point where I, I don't even use that very often, just because it is kind of cumbersome to have something on your head. So I just use my um, Canon camera and it does a really good job. That's it. I don't use my phone. And, and I barely use lights. I do have two big lights, but I barely have to use those. I think that simplicity speaks to the relationship that you develop with your students, meaning your student, there's so many new teachers mess about with what 
you know, the Amazon shopping cart and trying to decide what equipment to buy. And you can waste, you know, weeks and months not moving forward with your business, worrying about what exact equipment to buy. And so I love that you're saying I have all this stuff, but I actually don't really use it. I just (laughs) turn on my computer in the morning and I go live. And the what happens is that the students are there for the teaching and their own self exploration and their growth and they're you know watching and listening to you and i think it's so amazing that they get to be with you in your own personal practice live every morning which is such a special gift that just couldn't ever happen in any other way even in a studio you go to the studio to teach but they are joining you in such an easy way in your own personal practice. And I think that's, that's really beautiful. And they do not care what kind of quality the video is at that time. It's the point of doing. Right. As long as they can see me well enough and hear me, that's really all that it's about. And it's that, that energetic container. I mean, it it's a huge benefit to me. Like my habit now is so solid that I know, I know I have to be up for those people five mornings a week. And I miss it if I'm not held to the same standard. If, if I'm on vacation or something, it, it doesn't quite happen as consistently. So it has a very positive ripple effect on me too. My, my nervous system from the absolute regularity of daily meditation, it changes everything. It changes my whole day for sure. And so I know, I know that students feel that too. Nikki, can you talk a little bit about your career prior to starting to teach online? I know you have decades of experience. Tell folks a little bit about what your life, what your career was like as a teacher prior to teaching online and also where you're located. Yes. So I'm in the Bay Area. I'm in actually in Marin, just north of San Francisco, just across the Golden Gate Bridge. I um, discovered yoga in my 20s. I, I was 20 in college and it was before it is what it is now in terms of popularity. There was a yoga center that had just opened in downtown Santa Barbara. I went to UCSB and I fell in love immediately. I mean, life-changing immediately, never stopped practicing, never thought I would be a yoga teacher, wasn't even like a possibility. I ended up upon graduating college, I went to India, I went to Mysore, I did Ashtanga for three months with Patavi Joyce and came home kind of, now what? career-wise, now what am I going to do? Still didn't think I would teach yoga. And long story short, got pulled into it. I ended up doing a teacher training. And before I knew it, was pulled very quickly into teaching. And I would say within a year or two, was teaching my butt off, uh, probably up to 20 classes a week, privates and classes in Marin and San Francisco. And was really lucky, really, because especially I think my generation, a lot of people really want to find their passion and make their career their passion. And I found it in my 20s and was successful in supporting myself well at an early age. I moved from a lot of classes to then a lot of teacher trainings. So, you know, even I'm in my 40s now, but even in up until my late 30s, I was leading a lot of teacher trainings and loving every bit of it and wouldn't change any of it. And you really, really learn from that much teaching, but it's also a road to burnout because you just, you just can't do that all the time. It's intense because again, like I was saying earlier, you are really present and you are really on whatever you're doing. And when you step into leading teacher trainings, 
it's a whole nother level of knowledge. It is not the same thing as leading a regular public class. You are leading philosophy. You are leading anatomy. You are teaching alignment. You are teaching sequencing, pranayama, meditation. I mean, the list goes on and on. So it's actually quite intellectual, but also very tiring. So I just began in the last few years to look for ways to be more efficient in my teaching and also to expand without having to do a ton of travel. Because the other model is either you're, you're teaching a lot of classes and teacher trainings or you're traveling around trying to lead a lot of trainings or retreats or teach at the conference level. And that's also very, very tiring and very hard on, on a yogi long term. So prior to, to launching online, I was really beginning to look for ways to be more efficient. And for sure, online is the way to do it because you really eliminate any limitations. You know, even at a studio, you, you can only teach so many students and then the room is packed and that's it, right? And when you go online, there's no limitation to the amount of people that you can reach or support or that, you know, can be involved with you. Nikki, did you ever have your own studio? No, I came very close on a number of occasions. At one point, even had investors and was crunching the numbers and looking for locations. But I'll tell you, it's a tough business. I mean, I do really feel for studio owners, small studio owners and big studio companies because it is a tough business. Um, the overhead is high and you're constantly having to get students in the door and you're again, limited space wise. You know, you can only do so much. You can only have so many classes in a day and put so many bodies in a room. And I also knew that my passion was the actual teaching. And even though I think I, I have the personality and some skills that I could have been a great manager, I knew I'd be managing other people. And at that stage, that's not really what I wanted to do. I wanted to actually teach. So it would have been a, a radical departure to become a studio owner. So no, I never did that. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy-to-use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com. But you have been quite outspoken about the business of yoga and quite critical of it. And you have, we should make sure we put this in the show notes, but that fabulous YouTube that you did where you just went on a rant <laughs> and we were just like cheering you and fist pumping in the air and like, Nikki. And so we must link to that. But we discussed that with you earlier and you had, it had come out in the conversation that you had actually had sort of a crossroads that you decided you had the opportunity to go with an agent, to work with an agent, a sort of that way to elevate your career and you made a decision to not do that. Could you tell us that story? Yes. Well, first of all, I happen to think that the yoga business is completely broken. <laughs> I think that the way that it has been going and for many teachers is still going is broken. I, again, I think the studio model, I mean, we want studios. I, I still want to teach in person. 
I don't think I'll ever not want to teach in person. I'm a huge people person. I think for most stu- students, most people, we need them to be present in person, right? You can't learn everything all the time online. So I don't think that's ever going away. But as a very healthy or viable business model, it's again, it's hard to make a living that way. And I think it's hard for teachers traveling and the co- like the conferences, like the live conferences, those are barely happening anymore because again, it's a broken business model. And then, you know, teachers running around teaching at five different studios and trying to do private clients, you know, you can only do so many of those in a day. So, so the way that it's been established is not very effective, at least not for the long term dedicated yoga teacher. So, Yes, circling back to the idea of of having an agent. I did at one point when I realized, okay, it's time for me to spread my wings. I've been very focused in one physical location and I'm ready to expand. I did begin to work with an agent and very quickly I realized it was not for me because really because it felt inauthentic. It felt like I was going to have to go out. And here I had tons and tons of experience, real experience, good experience, like roll your sleeves up, hard work, years in the trenches experience. And yet I was going to have to prove to people that I was worth, you know, being put on their conference in, you know, some random place in the middle of America. And that I needed a certain amount of Instagram followers or Facebook followers to be legit. And it just felt wrong. And then I was having these, these ridiculous things put on my plate that if you knew me, like, that's not me. I don't want to hawk, hawk products I don't believe in. And I won't hawk products that, that I don't believe in. So it just, it just felt wrong. Everything within me, it, it felt disempowering and the heart of a lot of, of my study has been on actually the empowerment of yoga or, or tantra yoga, which is really a path of, of becoming more powerful, more personally powerful, not, not egotistical powerful. So it felt in complete odds with that. It just didn't feel authentic. So I stepped away from it. I literally walked away from it and said, I'm going to totally 100% trust my intuition on everything. And if I don't feel like there's like I'm being honored or respected for the the wisdom and the years of experience I have, then no, thank you. The answer is no. I think there's probably a lot of brand new teachers who look at all the free yoga that's online available to students. And there's perhaps some desire to be on those platforms as a teacher. And so Namastream is the exact opposite of that. Those platforms, you need to be chosen. They have to come to you and say, you can now teach on our platform. And we did the opposite. So we do not have a marketplace. Any teacher can come to us and build their own business and they're in control and they're not told what to do. They can charge what they want. They can they take all the the revenue. So it's such a different model, but there's a lot of people I think who are still kind of waiting Mm -hmm. to be chosen for something else. And it's the idea of like, when Oprah started her own production company, like she wasn't going to wait till some, you know, white dude in a LA tower chose her show for something, right? So it's that empowerment that you speak of. That's 
so such a big part of Namastream and we wanted to give the power to the teachers to build their own business. I think that is like so, so, so important. And we've seen it. I won't give any specific examples, but we've <laughs> seen a number of things happen recently where yoga teachers put their trust in the white dude in LA <laughs> or, okay, that's not fair, but you know, a, a business guy a business guy. They put their trust in a business guy and it doesn't go too well because the business guy's got his interest at heart and he's going to always make the decision based on what's going to bring in the most money for the company. Whereas when you do it yourself, I, I am really, really into that right now, the do-it-yourself model. When you do it yourself, especially as a woman, you get to make those decisions you get to decide what is integrity and what isn't and what feels in alignment and what is not. And then nobody can tell you what to do. I mean, a number of these larger platforms, they kind of own you. I, one teacher who and I- And your content, right? And your content, yeah. And one teacher I'm thinking of who I adore, I was in a workshop of hers and students, you know, were, were taking little- shots, videos, and, and photos. And she stopped and had to make an announcement and just say, listen, I just want to be really clear that none of those make it online. Because if they make it online, my job at such and such is at risk. I could get fired. And I was, damn, like, she has to think about that because if this company sees some photos or videos that they feel is in conflict with what they're offering, she's in trouble. And so you don't really have full ownership of anything that you're doing because someone else, it's a breach of contract, right? So I think it's really important that we um, trailblaze a little bit, especially for yogis. If you do care about the tradition and you do want to make sure that your content is used in the right way. So Nikki, I just want to interject here and talk a little bit about why we created Namastream the way that we did it. And it relates particularly to the story you've just shared. And so, you know, there are two sides to this story. So one side of which is you have ultimate freedom on our platform. As long as you're not doing anything illegal, you have ultimate freedom to build whatever you want to build. Um, the flip side of that, however, is that you also have to take ownership of your success, right? And and the direction you choose to go with your with your business and your online journey. We just had a guest on the podcast, another client, Kate Case, who built us who's built a subscription box that is part online digital product and part actual physical subscription box. And your your business model is radically different than that. You have a membership, but also this live streaming five days a week where you're doing meditation and practice with your with your students in real time. And I just, I want to share with our audience, I mean, you're also both yoga teachers, among other things. Um, we have a lot of other people doing other, other kinds of work, but I just, I think so much of it is on your shoulders as an entrepreneur to sort of define what works for you. You have the freedom, but you also then have the responsibility to go and produce something of value and something meaningful to your people. And I think you, you like, you've got to pick, like, are you the kind of person that, that just wants to do what you're told and, you know, do a really good job and be chosen and see financial success and your career build that way? Or are you the kind of person that has this, this drive to be creative and innovative and build something that's 
very particular to your own values and your own skill set. And I don't, I'm not saying that there's one right or wrong answer. I mean, most people quite honestly won't be picked by these bigger brands, right? Like there's just a tiny subsection of people that will ever be chosen because that's the way the economy has worked forever. That's the gatekeeper model. Um, And now we have this new model and the new economy where it's self-serve and you can build a business, you know, in a day with very little expense, but it also puts a tremendous amount of responsibility on you as the creator of that business. And so I think what you've done is brilliant and amazing, but I, and I, and I want to give you credit for doing that because it's really on you. Like we just have a tool that's sort of operating in the background and you've taken it upon yourself to build something important. I mean, the thing I, I knew about myself. So when I, when I decided, okay, I'm going to do it and I, I paid for the year, I committed, I'm, I'm doing it, signed up thing I knew about myself, I was scared. I was a little nervous. What if it fails? We all have that. What if it fails? Well, so what? What if it fails? Like you can say, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> but anyway, I had some fear about it and how's this going to go? But what I knew about myself is I've never been afraid of hard work and I've never had an issue with committing to something and sticking to it. So you have to be disciplined. That's the thing is you have to be disciplined and you have to want to take that on. And most, most of the things that are most rewarding in life don't happen immediately. They take time. They take hard work. You know, you have to build it. And, and that's true. Even if you go for that other model, you still have to build up your classes. You have to build up your offerings. You have to build up your years of teaching experience. I mean, basically, you have to put the work in. And, and with something like this, yeah, you, you have to be regimented and scheduled about it. I mean, I committed to doing a, a newsletter every single week on a Tuesday. And come hell or high water, I get that darn email out. And if I have, if I know I'm going to be away, I do them in advance or I set aside the time, you know, as soon as I come back from something, you have to have that kind of self-directed discipline. You do. And yeah, it's not necessarily for everyone. And you have to know that about yourself and be willing to put the work in because you are building it on your own. You are. Yeah. And there is no guarantee of success. And I appreciate your comments that it might fail because it might fail. And we've had some of our teachers start one thing and realize, ah, this is not working. I'm going to try this. And there's sort of been this beautiful process of experimenting and seeing what really will work for them, what, you know, for their schedule and their family, what interests them, what they can commit to producing. And I, I think it's a really exciting process to go through. And I wouldn't call it failure. And it's just a learning and it's it's truly experimenting, which, you know, could be another way to define entrepreneurship because you're always, it's never done, right? You're always, no. and, and especially in technology with things changing all the time that you've gotten kind of got to be adapting and, and it's never full rest. But the cool thing about it is like, I'm still reminding myself of this, like this summer, So I've had these, I didn't, I started the live streaming every single morning um, at the end of last year. So I wasn't doing it over the summer. And then the summer rolled around and I thought, do I really want to do that all summer long? I guess what? I get to decide. (laughs) I can decide. I, I can take it off. And the truth is I haven't canceled it because it's benefiting me. But I could say July is the slowest month of the year. And if I don't want to live stream for the month of July, it's my business. I can do that. Or I can change the time. I mean, you do have 
complete control. So when it's your business, you have complete control. And one other thing I would add to the entrepreneurial side of it is as a yoga teacher, the way the current model is set up, you are always giving a huge cut of anything you do to someone else. So whether you're paid by the head at a studio or a flat rate, granted they have rent to pay and all these other expenses, you are making a small portion. When you do a training or a workshop, same thing. You have to have a location. Either you're putting out a lot of money to hold that training or you're giving a large cut of it to the studio that's running it. Well, the cut here is minimal. (laughs) The amount that you give away is minimal. It's really just the payment processor. So this business model, if you're willing to put the work in, is the one that's going to support the actual yoga teacher more than any more than any other source of revenue. There you go. Couldn't end on a better note than that. So thank you, Nikki. We would like to run you through Prue's questionnaire. You ready? Okay. <laughs> what is your idea of perfect happiness? Being unscheduled. I thought you were going to say Dordogne, France. <laughs> that too. What is your greatest fear? Like the bottom falling out. And I don't even entirely know what that means, but just something really, really difficult happening out of nowhere. Which living person do you most admire? Oh, I have a lot of admiration for Oprah Winfrey. What is your greatest extravagance? Taking a nap. (laughs) (laughs) What is the quality you most like in a person? Integrity. Which talent would you most like to have? I wish I was better at reading people and motivations better. Where would you most like to live? Paris, France. What is your most treasured possession? My family. What is your favorite rock band? Coldplay. What is it that you most dislike? I don't like negativity. What is your motto? Just do it. Thank you. That was great. Thank you. Thank you, Nikki. Okay, so now we're going to dive into Joy and Hustle. So if you could share a resource to help our listeners find joy and a tool to help them hustle. Okay, a resource for joy would absolutely be looking into your dosha. So if you know anything about yoga and Ayurveda, each of us is a combination of doshas. So if you were to do the work, take a survey or optimally work with an Ayurvedic doctor, you would find out your unique constitution. And when you know what that is and can align your life around that, guaranteed joy. I love that. I found mine out when I went to herbal camp when I was 13. What is it? Kapha. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I would guess that about her. Mm -hmm. Predominantly Kapha, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is yours? I am Vata Pitta, Pitta Vata, but I way tend towards the Vata imbalances. Definitely. Creative, but like sign up for too much and then I'm crazy. And then the pitta is the achievement, like the getting it done, just getting it done kind of thing. How about you, Sandy? Do you know? I'm pitta vata. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I'd like to do it again. Anyway, that's a good joy. That's an excellent (laughs) joy. Do you have a place like online where we can send people? Obviously, they can go see a practitioner, but is there a good website? Well, there's my Ayurvedic doctor is Dr. Shiva Mohan. 
And her website is spastahealth.com. That's S-V-A-S-T-H-A, spastahealth.com. She's in Long Beach. That's one. There's a few really great people online. Monica Yearwood is a good one. Dr. Mark Halpern. He's in Grass Valley at the California College of Ayurveda. Great. Excellent. We will post these links in the show notes for folks who are not already familiar with Ayurveda. Life-changing. Yeah. What about your hustle? What tool do you recommend? Oh, absolutely listening to how I built this. I mean, that gets me fired up and inspired to keep going every single time. Those are just those keep me motivated. Yeah, that's a great, great podcast. Okay, well, there you have it, folks. Thank you, Nikki, so much for joining us. Can you tell folks where to find you online? Yes, NikkiEstradaYoga.com. Fabulous. Thanks, Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. Thanks, you guys. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba slash teacher to sign up. It's totally free.